here in Fort Wayne, you know, black, white, younger, older, those things don't mix and match. You know, we've been told to kind of stay on our side of the tracks and you guys stay on your side of the tracks and everybody's talking about sides of tracks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, God's doing something different on the streets. Eric Wood with the Everyday Ordinary Podcast. We're here to talk about the ins and outs of life with Cozy Mac. She's going to tell us what it looked like for me to meet her and her to meet me and then see where it goes. Hope you enjoy. Okay, so I'm here with Cozy. I don't know what if I should say friend, neighbor. Keep going. Uh, mom, grandma. I mean, <laughs> we got all of them on the list here. And we are starting a new podcast called Everyday Ordinary. And so the idea is just to chat about and chat with people that we meet along the way. And the way in which Jesus seemed to emulate that, exemplify that is so gorgeous. Um, and we get to enjoy the fruit of some of that uh, example that we're following here today, but every day. I mean, it's Absolutely. this isn't just a once in a while deal where we hang out. And so some of the ways that Jesus hangs out with people is there were people that came to him, that uh, were brought to him, that he passed by. They went out of his way for, they reclined with, and then he was next to. And for you and me, I just want to share with those that will be listening how we met. And and part of that is the story of, of a leper. Now, that's not your story, but Jesus's story here in Matthew 8 says, He came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him, and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, said, Lord, if you're if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Now, the person became clean. Now, that's not me. I'm not Jesus, nor am I trying to trying to make people clean. Um, but what I would say is, is that um, one day I was going to a meeting, and as I went to that meeting, I was I was running a little bit late, but I needed some coffee, and so when I went to go get that coffee. I pulled over on the side of the road in my big old truck and, and people make me make fun of me all the time for this big old <laughs> truck. You know, it's just too mm -hmm. big. What am I trying to say? Mm -hmm. <laughs> all mm -hmm. the things. Mm -hmm. And so I pull over on the side of the road and before I could even have my feet hit the ground, you said, Hey, neighborly guy, get over here. <laughs> and you're a block away. Yes. And so you and a friend were meeting for coffee. I was in a rush to get coffee mm -hmm. and and as I walked over you, you began to share your story mm -hmm. with me. Mm -hmm. And that began this incredible relationship uh, that's old and new at the same time. Like this isn't, it doesn't seem like it was yesterday, but it, it really was yes. like six months ago. Yeah. And um, it feels like it has years and miles that have now been built into it. And so, you know, from your side of the, the seat, um, so here I am, I pull over. You yell at me. What happens next? Well, you know, that whole morning was divinely ordered. Friend calls me. Cozy, let's go to coffee. So when we get there, she decides where we should go. I said, that's fine. But we sat in three different positions before you arrived. Mm. And I really felt the spirit said, sit here okay, where I was sitting so I could see. And even though you were in a hurry, I would have never known that. You took the time to listen to me. 
because I take my time telling stories. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. But nobody took, nobody thinks that I do that either. Yeah, right. Yeah. Nobody. But you you took your time to listen to me. Uh, we exchanged numbers, and since that moment, I feel like there have been layers and layers of our relationship and our growth at the same time with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, it was definitely a divine moment. Um, <laughs> and it just keeps getting better and better. I, I, I really don't even know. You're going to have to help me out yeah, here. Yeah, I mean, so the part of the thing was you, you said, hey, I need my house painted. Um, but you didn't say it like in a arrogant push. It was just like, hey, my, my house is peeling Paint is peeling. Would you come over and look at that? Um, the AC is in a bad spot. Some groundhogs are playing games underneath. Yes. And then you had a leak, a previous leak in your bedroom. Yes. And you yes. said, hey, can you come look at those things? And, mm-hmm. and so you you told me more of your story there. You told me about your cancer, mm-hmm. um, your journey with the cancer, and mm-hmm. how you've been, you know, you were given a short time to live and you've now two years into yes. this story. Yes. And um, and I said, well, I'll show up sometime soon. Yep. Well, at the same time, Good Morning America is showing up and they wanted me to put a list together of people. And so one of the ways that, that I put that together was some were old relationships from the last year and a half of mm-hmm. being back in town. Mm-hmm. And some of that was going to be cold call, new relationships that had never been started because I wanted them to see both. I wanted Mm -hmm. them to see what it looked like to start one and to sustain a relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know you more than that coffee talk. That was it. Right. I moved on, texted you later. And, and so that morning they showed up, I think it was August 19th. And on the backside, uh, for me personally, I wasn't doing well. Um, my stress for some reason was kicking. Hmm. My, my blood pressure was really high. And so I had called my doctor mm-hmm. and said, Hey, things aren't okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can't exactly tell you what was going on. Um, I didn't feel anxiety, but it was heaviness, I mm-hmm. guess. And so, um, she said, well, I'll be over in the morning at 6am to take care of you. And I was like, overwhelmed, right? Right. That my doctor would sacrifice. She just had a baby. Yes. She's not sleeping much and she's going to be at my house at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. And so she comes over to take care of me. My wife gets up, she prays over me. And then the day starts, there's a camera crew and a yeah. whole bunch of people in my backyard. And so we go throughout our day. I didn't know what that day really was. I just thought I was bringing some people on a, mm-hmm. a ride to meet my friends didn't know about the celebration they were going to have later on. And then we came to meet you. Mm -hmm. And so I gave them a little bit of a heads up, but I didn't know a lot. Right. So we got there. You're all ready to meet us and receive (laughs) us and be hospitable. And then you take us around the house into Mm -hmm. the backyard and Mm -hmm. into your bedroom and Mm -hmm. show us some loose, you know, door frame in your, in your bathroom. And then we come back to your living room Mm -hmm. and, you start talking about your cancer journey mm-hmm. and can you tell everybody a little bit about whatever you want to say about that? Cause it leads to kind of this next part oh, of our man. story. This cancer journey, I know some people will think I'm a little touched in the head, but it has been one exciting adventure. Um, and I believe I had cancer months before I was even diagnosed 
uh, I dropped down to like 130 pounds. They told me. So anyway, I want to try to tell the cancer journey. And it's during COVID. So I get, I finally get diagnosed and they're giving me all sorts of stuff. Oh, you got H. pylori, you got this. I said, no, no, stop. I'm not a diabetic. I don't have high blood pressure. I rarely get a cold. Something is wrong. So I got a seasoned nurse on the phone. She made um, arrangements for me to come in and get an MRI. September, no, October the 19th, 2020, I was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer, cancer of the pancreas, the liver, thyroid, spleen, lungs, five different places. I started chemo. I started praying. I actually realigned my relationship with Jesus Christ because I'm like, these aren't just words in a book. This isn't a fairy tale. Hey, you said you would heal me. You said you would do this and do that. And I'm sharing this because through this journey that I said has been exciting, God healed me, my lungs, healed my thyroid, healed my spleen. The tumor in my pancreas and liver has shrunk 40%. I'm not a candidate for surgery based on how the pancreas is, uh, the, the tumor is on my pancreas. The doctor keeps telling me, you're a walking miracle. You're a walking miracle. I say, yeah, I'm a walking miracle. Now, one of the other things, when we went to go get coffee that day, the young lady that I was with, and we've been friends for a long time, she doesn't believe in God. So, but she, I called her and I said, hey, you know the guy we met? He said, GMA is coming to town and la, 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 la. I told her what, what I was going on and she says, I want to come. So I said, well, come on over. Oh, that's crazy. I didn't know that part. Yeah. So when she gets there and I'm telling the producer from GMA the cancer story and my doctor's story, that's another another thing. Uh, the lady that doesn't believe in God says, don't forget to tell him you're a walking miracle. You know? mm-hmm. And uh, so we throw that in, not, not throw it in, but you know, I'm like, yeah, yeah. As we're talking, I don't know if you want to take it here. We, we find out we have the same doctor. Yeah. So I find out that our doctor, Molly Harmon was at my house that morning I didn't find out she was at my house, you know, but she was at our house that morning. She's the doctor that's working alongside your oncologist. Absolutely. And your oncologist is surprised by the the growth and the health and the fullness of life that you're getting alongside Molly's, Molly's work. And so, so we're sitting there like, wait a minute, we have the same doctor. We, we didn't know each other a month ago. Um, we've never met each other before. And so, it was just this beautiful moment and the producers like what's happening yeah. <laughs> you know where am i right now yeah and as we kind of unpacked that we just saw overlap and i think at the end of the day you, you we should never maybe be surprised by who we meet along the way exactly. and what could become with those those folks in Absolutely. our lives and so 
here in Fort Wayne, you know, black, white, younger, older, those things don't mix and match. You know, we've been told to kind of stay on our side of the tracks and mm -hmm. you guys stay on your side of the tracks mm -hmm. and everybody's talking about sides of tracks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, God's doing something different on the streets. And so Amazing. we're getting to enjoy the fruit of his work, not even start our own, not even try, just yeah. enjoy it. And yeah. so, so we see that that day, but then that was the, you know, the precipice of really diving into relationship where, you know, you text me one day, you're like, Hey, something happened in the basement with this water heater. And they told me I had to do this. And my father-in-law shows up and, and then just one after another relationally things start developing. Absolutely. And so, you know, during that journey, I think one of the, the beautiful sidesteps was I called you one morning and I said, Hey, we're looking to have folks come and help us take phone calls. Mm -hmm. And would you be willing to come and answer phone calls at NeighborLink? And you, you just started weeping. And um, because that morning you had talked to the Lord about still serving him, you being usable mm -hmm. in this season of life. And so I said, Hey, would you do that? You said, absolutely. You said that whatever he called you to do that day, you'd say yes. And so since then, you've now been taking phone calls. And yes. so you met Chris, who's yes. who's taking care of phone calls and doing work to kind of center everything that's going on at NeighborLink. And yes. the first, excuse me, the first day that you were there, mm -hmm. you started receiving phone calls. Mm -hmm. Can you tell a little bit about that story? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely true story. I mean, you can't make this up. I'm, I'm just laying here. I was laying in bed and I'm like, Lord. What is my assignment for today? Because regardless to what was going on with me, I still had life. So I still had things that God needed to use me for. And so when you call, and, and it's funny because every time Brother Eric calls, it seems like I'm always in a pinch or in a bind. He's like, what's going on? Oh, it's my hot water tank. What's going on? <laughs> it's like he just steps in. God has him to step in. But that day, uh, and he said, don't worry about transportation or anything like that. So Chris came and got me. And um, she's absolutely a wonderful person. I start taking these phone calls and people out here have a need. They have a leak in their roof. Their stairs are broken. They need a handicap ramp built. So one of the ladies, she's just talking. She's not complaining. She's just explaining. She only lives like on $688 a month. I can barely talk. I said, do, do you need prayer? <laughs> and... I realized I wasn't just being a busybody. I was doing something intentional. And that made the difference. That turned, started a wheel turning within our relationship that just keeps getting deeper and broader. And, and, and even though 
you know, God bless us with a wonderful relationship. And we have a brotherly, sisterly, motherly. Sometimes I'm overprotective of him. Um, You know, because sometimes kind people get manipulated so easy. But we're doing this all to the glory of God. Amen. I mean... Part of that story, too, that day is you got a phone call from somebody who had served you with resources two years ago when you got cancer. And now that person was calling you and they were asking for help. And you're the one that received the phone call. So you're both weeping on the phone. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, and so it's just the miracles along the way of relational stuff. And absolutely. And this lady, oh, my goodness. Her son had been killed. She's raising her grandchildren, and she gave me a substantial love offering uh, when she heard that that I was diagnosed with cancer. And here she's calling in, and I'm like, Lord, what can I do? What can I do? But I believe with all that's within me, I was in the right place at the right time. Absolutely. And... So what's interesting about our relationship is it like fast forwarded to deep real fast, right? Like you couldn't slow it down. I couldn't slow it down. You start getting involved. So you now you're, you're a part of the family at NeighborLink and you're connecting people outside in the neighborhoods with each other and maybe resources that you've learned to use. Mm-hmm. And then I would randomly stop by your house with mm-hmm. my kids or my wife mm-hmm. and sit in the, the kitchen mm-hmm. and you really started sharing your story. And and what my dream is for some of this is, you know, sometimes we see uh, the two-dimensional layer of someone. We see what we see when we see them face to face, but there's a depth for every human that needs to be told. And so as we started hanging out more, spending time texting, calling to the point to where today you text my wife to encourage her and love her. I mean, um, and as a, as a husband, um, of Mandy to hear of people encouraging her, loving her is it only brings people closer to me, you know? And so along the way, we've been sitting in, in really your kitchen, mm-hmm. sometimes in my, my truck mm-hmm. or sometimes here in the office and you would just start to unpack your life. And I think for as much as you want to share, I feel like out there we hear stories of people with influence and power and prestige, but we don't hear everyday ordinary stories of life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so some of this too is to rehumanize each other and to hear the stories that that maybe may be different, but are more similar than we know. Mm-hmm. And so some of what you've unpacked is your is your growing up mm-hmm. and what kind of brought you to where you are today. Mm-hmm. And so if you're willing, you know, to share some of that like your childhood and what you've come out of. Um, I think many people that will listen will, will relate with, but we tend to see that only the, the sound bites of people's lives. Right. Right. And, and what makes those is, is this root level story. Yes. Um, God is always, and sometimes we don't see it, especially when we're little. He's always had his arms around me. He's always led it and guided me and had good people around me. 
Um, they weren't all necessarily family. Uh, my mother had me at a very young age, and having a baby out of wedlock in the 50s, uh, that was big no-no. No go, yeah. And uh, that's what happened. My mother had me out of wedlock. Um, her shame became my shame. Uh, even my who my father was became my shame. Uh, it's a very mixed up story. People don't like to share the ugliness. I can tell you how good God is, but when he's bringing you through the muck and all of the yuck, you really don't want to share that. You kind of just want to keep the door shut and say, praise the Lord. He's good, right? <laughs> he's good. Yeah, God is good. Um, but my father uh, and my mother had a relationship. They never got married. Then my father turns around and marries my mother's niece, and they have five children together. Yeah, okay, we're in the muck now. Stay with me. <laughs> Stay with me, because God will be with you no matter where you are. Um, and he said he would never leave us or forsake you. So anyway, 1963, the 4th of July, he shoots my mother's niece in her head. I don't know how my mother and her niece did it, but they remained it very, very close. My mother dies of shock 48 hours later, July the 6th. Now, during all this time, now we're in the 60s. We're in the civil rights. Black people also have a thing with the light skin and the black skin. So I was... Obviously, dark skin, short hair. People teased me because I was dark complected and because I had short hair. Um, it was very painful. But you just keep going on. And the funny thing about it, I went to an all-white school. <laughs> and my grandparents... I guess they were, um, and I lived with my grandparents because, like I said, back in the 50s, you didn't have babies. So my grandmother, to cover my mother, took me and raised me. And she took in others, too, because other kids came along. Um, but God just kept keeping me and kept keeping me. And then... Um, I meet this guy when I'm 16. Oh, he was so handsome, big afro, <laughs> light skin. <laughs> at, the, at the basketball game, right? You at the basketball yeah. game, mm -hmm. absolutely. And it was my 16th birthday. So anyway, um, I met this guy. But because, uh, and he was very nice. And uh, when I was 19, we got married. We were married for seven years. The point that I want to make at this time, sometimes when we have so much muck and yuck, we know God loves us, but we don't love us. We don't love ourselves, and, and we have a tendency to run people away. This man tried everything he could to be a loving father, to be a loving husband, 
I was mean as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very insecure. Yeah, you would tell me that he would tell you how beautiful your skin is, that you don't need makeup, that you were gorgeous. Yeah. And every one of those words would double down on your insecurity. Yes. Yes. And all I could hear was family members telling me, go sit down somewhere with your dark self. Actually, they said with your black self. Go somewhere. And I would go somewhere. Anyway, anyway, um, he... We, we chase you and pursue you and constantly. Yeah. And and it wasn't like he was stalking me or anything. He just kept wanting to reassure me that you're beautiful and, and I love you. And um but we ended up getting a divorce. And maybe you, two years later we got married again. Well, part of the story too though is you you were in Texas and you divorced him. Yes. But you ran all the way up to Ohio. I came all the way back to and Ohio. He, and he chased you here. Yes. It's like, the it's a love story. Yes. But it doesn't, doesn't come off that way, right? Absolutely. So he pursues you again. Mm-hmm. And two years later, you get remarried. Yes. And? And finally, he just, he's exhausted. He said, you know, you're like a tire with a slow leak. I can't do this anymore. I remember the card he gave me that day. He loves bicycles. One bike was going in one direction, and the other bike was going in the other direction. And even when he gave me that card, I couldn't see that. It was my. It might have been a couple years later, because you know you always sometimes you keep old cards and letters and stuff that people give you. But then. I asked God to come into my heart again. And um, he did. He was always there. But what we have to do sometimes, we need to get we need to get counseling. We need to pray. We need to learn to love ourselves. And sometimes we're so busy loving everybody else and oh Sister Cozy, she's a sweetheart, but they don't know you're running people away from you at home that really care about you. Well, and I think, I think some of the understanding of, of love self, um, our, our culture twists that, right? And um, really wants us to double down on self-love. And so there's an element of that, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Um, and, and what I look at, when I look at the scriptures, I see that a lot of people just don't understand the love of God. Therefore, they don't have identity and value because they don't recognize how hard he pursues, how long suffering he is, how compassionate he is, how kind he is, how relentless he is in the, in the pursuit of someone's heart. Absolutely. And when he tells you that every blessing in the heavenlies has been given to you in Christ. And he's told you that you've been sealed and pursued before you were born and adopted into the beloved. And he continues to rattle off his love Mm -hmm. and his provision Mm -hmm. and his protection for us. The fact that we need another person to tell us how much we're loved is crazy. Mm -hmm. When you think about how much he tells us he Mm -hmm. loves us, like 
I think about you more than the sand on the seashore, the hairs on your head. For me, there's not many hairs, so I wonder, <laughs> I wonder how much he's counting, right? That. You know, but I see his pursuit throughout history, throughout the scriptures, in my life, in your life, and um, wonder. I wonder if if his love for us is enough to define who we are. You know. You, you've said a mouthful there. I'm just trying to keep up with you. Well, I tell you, now I'm in a spot, you know, and, and this is what I love about God. Even though, you know, when my mother died and all that she went through, and I, I was going to church. My grandfather was a Pentecostal minister, and but it was more of don't do this, don't do that. Women don't wear pants. Women don't wear makeup. I'm like, well, what's the use of having God if I can't do this and I can't do that? But God loves us so much. He meets us where we are. And here I am now, a few days away from being 70 years old. And I know how much he loves me. A cup of coffee is precious. For somebody to call you and say, hey, I'm out front precious and it's ministry and it's God showing you I love you little neighborhood kids stop by hey Miss Mac you need anything done precious I mean God just keeps showing us his love over and over and over and he takes whatever job or talent or whatever you used to do and lets you repurpose it. Yeah, I mean, there's a guy out there uh, named Steve Cuss, and he has a book called Managing Leadership Anxiety. And somewhere in the first two chapters, he begins to talk about that God never asked us to be Christ-like. And I about dropped the book, threw it away, started to burn it, mm. because I wasn't ready for what he was about to say. Mm -hmm. There is this idea that we're, we're, we're often telling people what to do and what not to do, but they have no capacity outside of God. And so he says, our job is to follow Jesus. He will make us more like Jesus. He will make us more like Christ. And man, what a freedom to enjoy his presence, enjoy his work in my life as he makes me more like himself versus, man, I'm striving, I'm, I'm struggling, I'm doing all the right things, I'm not doing the wrong things. And why am I not finding joy? And it's because I'm not made to do it on my own effort or Absolutely. my own energy. Absolutely. Cancer teaches us that. Painful relationships change us that. Is that no matter how hard I work, somehow I don't get where I want to go. And it's the beauty about the gospel is that it's I'm sitting on a couch. Mm -hmm. and, and God's not telling me to get up. He's telling me that he got up, ran to the cross with joy set before him to pick me up off that couch. And so, so much of of Western culture teaching is get yourself up, you know, strap those boots on, put your suspenders on if you got some and yeah. get out there and do the thing. And the reality is the spiritual thing I don't have the capacity for. I can show up to work and earn my wages, but Christ has given me his wages of righteousness. And so when I read that, it, it, it transformed. It's like verbalizing everything that I feel like, man, I've been striving so hard to become like Jesus some of it, I just need to hang out with Jesus more and let him make him more like my, like himself. And so growing up, did the right things, didn't do the wrong things. 
I ended up becoming self-righteous. If you look at my yuck and what's stuck back there, it's I became self-righteous. I'm better mm-hmm. than you. Mm-hmm. I didn't struggle with all the things you struggle with. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere along the way, he, you know, some of the journey has been not only getting called out for it mm-hmm. and being a young leader, people don't leave much room for for your youthfulness and your ego or your pride. Absolutely. So I've been called out more than a dozen times a day kind of a thing since I was a youth. And um, so then you just like, man, I can't get out of my own way. I can't get out of my own way. And I want to love people. I want to serve people. I want to do the things that you made me to do. Yeah. But it seems like every time I do it, I don't do it the way that comes across as loving. Because we're trying to do it the way somebody told us that it was supposed to be done. You know, um, I love my neighbors. Now, there was a moment that I would just try to run in the house because I don't feel like talking to them today. (laughs) (laughs) I think everybody does that. Let's be honest. I don't want to do that, you know. But God is so organic. And then there's something, there's a peace that washes over me. It's like, you did what I wanted you to do today. You waved at your neighbor across the street who you've been ignoring for two years. The young man across the street knew my name and everything. Yeah. So I think we we believe in leaders making change for us, which is lazy change, right? The president, the, the mayor, my pastor, if I can put my effort and energy and trust into them, my vote into them, maybe they'll make the changes necessary to have a better neighborhood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The reality is that God's told, made me Come on. to be a part of my neighborhood so that it becomes a better neighborhood. Absolutely. And so I remember someone telling me like, Eric, you're the problem. You know, we, you, you can't be passive in your votes and in your politics and all that stuff. And not that I am, but that's not my center. That's not my priority. That's mm-hmm. not my aim. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, like the wall is a bad thing here in our country. There's a lot of pain happening on the south side of our country. And um, what about my eight neighbors? Do I know their names, their needs, and am I doing something about it? Because that's practical. This is passive change. This is mm-hmm. practical change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think you you see in your neighbors, and there's moments that we don't want to. There's neighbors around me right now that I don't want to say <laughs> hi to, that yeah. I want to hide and just go snuggle on my couch, you mm-hmm. know. But mm-hmm. the reality is that, that God has made us as these people. He was this towards us. You Absolutely. know, Mark 2, he, Levi Matthew comes to follow him and he invites everybody over to the house to meet this Jesus guy. Yeah. So I, I can imagine this is a crazy group of people, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. the religious cats, the self-righteous cats are looking on going, this is trash. What's he doing? He's not supposed to hang out with sinners and tax collectors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Jesus obviously says, I came for the sick. That's right. I'm going to hang out here. This is That's who right. I'm about, who I'm here for. That's right. And uh, it's interesting how he reclined with these people. It says that he reclined with them. And I think that a lot of what we miss out on is the simple reclining with each other. And when I forget how he sat with me, I don't know how to sit with others. When I don't see his forgiveness over me and in me Mm -hmm. and upon me, I don't know how to give it to others. Mm -hmm. When I don't see how he served me, Mm -hmm. I don't know how to serve others. And Mm -hmm. when I don't see his love for me, Mm -hmm. I don't really have a capacity to love others. And so 
Um, when I look at my neighborhood, you know, there's homes in our neighborhoods that that are disheveled. Mm-hmm. Neighborlink gets those phone calls regularly. And those disheveled houses, whether it's the yard or it's the paint or it's whatever, often are our greatest complaints because they're devaluing our property. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're an eyesore to our driving home, our walking mm-hmm. through the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder if people would slow down, kind of like we said, wave at a neighbor and realize for the believer that the disheveled home is a signal flare of neighboring and that the outside of a home is crying out with an inward need. And so, so many of us are so busy complaining and bickering about what we see in our neighborhoods and we're going to go to our neighborhood president. We're going to go to the city. We're going to call on them, get somebody Mm -hmm. to show up and ticket them. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, you know, somebody showed up at a house the other day Actually, this is one of the original stories of NeighborLink, and they got to a yard that was a half foot. It was like two feet of grass. And they get there, and there's like 20 people mowing this lawn because it's out of control. Mm -hmm. Well, there was an older woman taking care of a disabled daughter, and her mom was in the basement on hospice. So her yard was out of control. I mean, she's being faithful with her daughter and being faithful with her mom. So two different generations of people in her home were suffering, and she was the caretaker. The last thing she's thinking about is a yard. The last thing she's thinking about is what everybody thinks about her yard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, and so the reality is throughout our city and throughout our, our, our area, there are many people crying out for somebody to show up. And the mere fact that somebody would, hey, please come over, uh, or they would come to us and say, please come over, um, is humility and vulnerability. The last thing somebody wants to show is their, their messed up spots. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Like you said, the muck and the yuck. We yeah. don't, it's one thing personally. It's another thing to show you my home that's disheveled, mm-hmm. that I can't fix, that mm-hmm. I can't afford. Mm-hmm. And so we've joined in that together now, right? And so some of them, even coming back full circle, some of the beautiful stuff that's happening with you is as you answer phone calls, because you've been in a hard spot off and on, you have answers for people that are calling. You may not be able to fix it, mm-hmm. but you know where to point them and mm-hmm. where to direct them. And so that's some of your burdens. Even you were in the chemo chair Friday. And what were you doing for two hours while you sat in that chair Friday? <laughs> it, tri- it trips me out. This is what you were doing. I was making a list of people who I thought would make great interviews for NeighborLink. And even access points for people to be connected to. Yes. Yes. And you're also trying to plan my daughter's wedding, I think. Well. (laughs) But but what joy, you know, what joy in going from a a coffee shop in a rush to months later enjoying this conversation. But this is just fruit of hours of conversation. Oh, my goodness. Being together. And then then I just want to share this, too, because... There's so much that we've been through, you and I, over these last uh, few months for you to stop by with your wife, who I just adore. And um, no, she's not his sister. It's, and she's not his, not his daughter. It's actually his wife. She's just beautiful. She's 
looks really, really good. You, you told me she looked in her 20s today. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. she needs to hear that. Yeah, That's great. She does. She's she beautiful. Does. She is a beautiful lady and she has a beautiful soul. Met her once and we just clicked. Same way we did. Met your daughter once. She probably thinks I'm nuts. I said, oh, I'm your grandmother. <laughs> Here in the office. No. Here in the office. She's just running by to say hi and give me a hug. Yeah, and you're like, hey, yeah. I'm your grandma. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the Lord has really brought us together very organically. And uh, I believe we're just going to continue to grow. The community needs people like you who's not looking. You, you don't have on a shirt and a tie and... Uh, you believe in what you're doing and, and you don't think that you're riding through Fort Wayne on a white horse to save people. You're not doing that. You're saying, God, where do you want me to go next? There's a king who rode a donkey through this town. You know, his name's Jesus. He comes lowly and humble um, and he walks from house to house, seeing people and loving people. And I think we... We want to ride stallions, but we don't want to ride donkeys. And that's the that's the life of Jesus. You know, a poor carpenter that was walking through towns, the people were confounded mm-hmm. that he was this guy. And um, I'm not trying to be uh, on the outside. I'm not trying to be different. I, I do think that there's a Savior who leads us into places and spaces alongside people in the normal and the natural and mm-hmm. the everyday ordinary that trans transform our lives collectively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I'm following the Jesus that you're following. This isn't Eric's doing something, then you're doing something else, higher or lower. Yeah. We're alongside one another. And some days I'm going to lean on you and some days you're going to lean on me. And I want people to hear that this is the fruit of what happens when you're just aware and available. Like this was a a normal day. This wasn't like I was going to do NeighborLink executive director business. I right. wasn't going to preach at a church. Right. I wasn't um, putting on my NeighborLink shirt <laughs> so mm-hmm. that people knew who I was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just going to a coffee shop. And and when you look at your life, when I look at my life, those six people are still there. People that are coming to us, being brought to us, that are passing by us, mm-hmm. that are Fort Wayne going out of our way. I think a lot of people in the suburbs think that the Southeast side is modern day Samaria. Mm -hmm. It's like Jesus went out to that well for purpose to meet with a woman that had run around and that was an outcast. Mm -hmm. And I think for some reason, for decades, that Fort Wayne has declared the Southeast side as a a Samaria Mm -hmm. for the suburbs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I would just ask people to be brought to softness and care to meet people in the regular out of their routine maybe. Um, But then also that he reclined with people like he reclines with us right now. And then there's people right next to them that they're not aware of Um, because people can put on a suit and tie and still be broke. Right. People can put on rags and still be rich. And so I think take time to get to know some folks and see what might happen is kind of the, that's right. The, the plea. And do you have anything to say just as we close out? I don't. (laughs) I do, but I don't. Because this is so precious. And you can feel it. It's not like you walk in uh, the room and and the air is so thick. It's actually so relaxing. 
And and when I tell people uh, about you, about Chris, um, it is, they were like, I'm so happy for you. Because, and the reason I'm saying this, I want to say this, because of my being diagnosed with cancer, the staff at NeighborLink makes sure that I'm okay. Some days I'm just laughing and talking, having made two phone calls, and they say, okay, it's time to go home. It's having people who care about you, like Jesus cares about you. Jesus got on the other side. He rests. Um, and we need to learn to rest. Anyway, I don't want to start another topic. <laughs> we'll we'll do it again. Okay. Because we love talking with each other. I also just think this is part of your burden. You love to communicate and do media and share with people what he's put inside of you. And so um to all you out there, like she she's got stuff to say. You can hear that. <laughs> and uh I just think it's a joy. I think it's a joy to sit and listen for others to hear your story, the story that I get to to joyfully know you in and same here, you know, and same then we'll here. just see what he does. Um, it's a crazy ride, right? Put your helmet on. <laughs> Let's go. Okay. Love you. Love you too. Okay. Hope you enjoyed our conversation with cozy. She's a dear friend and has become like family, like a grandma or a mom here in town. And so as we unpack these stories over the next couple of weeks and months, we pray that it would be helpful to you, encourage you, and inspire you to start getting to know your neighbors, those people that come around your life in and out, those six different relationships that you may have forgotten about or maybe never seen, that you'd be available, that you'd be flexible, you'd be agile enough to, to jump in the gap with those that you see in your everyday ordinary. We'll see you soon. Have a beautiful day. Patience.